0: Weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at LansingChurch.org. This week, Joel Nagel continued the No Complain Vember series with a message titled "From Critical to Compassion." All right, we're going to talk today uh, as we continue our No Complain Vember. How's that going for you, by the way? I'm with you, Tina. Uh, Yeah, we got the bingo. We got the no complaints. Um, We're going to talk today about uh, people problems. Okay, I'd love to talk to you all morning about boiler problems, but we're going to talk about people problems. Um, And we're going to talk about going from critical to compassionate the power of empathy. Okay, so turn your Bibles to John chapter 12 or Jeremiah chapter 12. My bad. Jeremiah. This is the bullfrog section of Jeremiah. I'm just kidding. (laughs) What? Um, Young people are like, what is he saying? Um, Okay. Jeremiah 12, verse 1. Look look at the heading in your Bible. Your Bible might read like mine. Jeremiah's complaint. What? It must not have been November. Jeremiah's complaining. Actually, things were terrible for Jeremiah. Um, And so he was complaining, but he was complaining to God, which in two weeks we'll talk about how to do that. It's going to be so good. For our first sermon in December. Next week, though, next Sunday, Alex and Cassie will be back in town, um, which is awesome. Amen. Alex is going to preach. He'll help do some worship. Cassie will be here in the room. They're going to relate some of their story about moving. Um, and we're going to um, have uh, like a going away, a little going away prayer ceremony, because we didn't get to do that for lots of reasons, which maybe we'll touch on um, as they come next week. So Jeremiah 12, one, it says, this is what Jeremiah said in his complaint. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. Okay, ouch, Jeremiah, that, that, that hurts. All right, but you, O Lord, know me, you see me, and test my heart toward you, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and set them apart for the day of slaughter. Okay, so first of all, I want you to this is this is an awesome complaint. Okay, um, like next time someone cuts you off, instead of being like, "Oh, why you, you're such a bad driver," pull them out like sheep for the slaughter. Uh, okay, that's a biblical complaint. Uh, just kidding. Uh, it goes on. How long? How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away, because they say, "He will not see our latter end." There's the complaint. Let's look just at the very first verse of God's response to Jeremiah's complaint. God says, "This: If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you're so trusting, what will you do in the?" Thicket of the Jordan. First of all, like, okay, what kind of answer is that? That's not a good answer. <laughs> uh, and we'll focus on this first part. If you've raced with men on foot and they've wearied you, how will you compete with horses? God's response is, you think you've had it bad so far? You think your people problems are problems? Oh, just you wait. <laughs> Buckle up, it's coming. Uh, even worse. And that's as you read on. It's it's a brutal answer. But what God says, He's like, People problems, and Jeremiah's complaint is that people, it seems like the wicked are doing well. The treacherous are thriving. What's up with that? You see that in our world today. We see that all the time, right? And you can complain, God, what is going on? I got people problems. And Jeremiah, God is saying, Jeremiah, people problems are like men on foot. We're going to have problems with people. There's going to be many, many opportunities for us, have critical hearts toward our fellow man and fellow woman. Poor Jeremiah, God's like, they're on foot, but guess what? The Calvary's coming. You're in trouble, buddy. I want to start just by asking Are you angry with somebody? Are you comparing your situation to somebody else's situation? Is that something that you've been doing? Are you ruminating, dwelling? Who just popped in your head as I asked those questions? In the Lord's Prayer, in the prayer that that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he asks his disciples to think about the people they need to forgive. Every time you pray, think about who you need to forgive. It's a good practice for our hearts. Think about people that that have hurt us, are hurting us, that we're ruminating about dwelling on. Because here's the thing, people problems are not going to go away as long as there's people. People have problems, don't we? <laughs> okay. So what do we do? You know what? A lot of times what we do is we get angry. We get upset. That is a losing strategy. We love, this, the, we love the promises in the Bible, right? Like, I'm just going to hold on to those Bible promises. Amen. Here's a promise. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, Slow to anger, here's the promise: for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The promise is anger doesn't work. It's a losing strategy. And so what I want to do today for us is I want, and for myself, is I want to present us with an alternative to anger, an alternative energy, if you will. And that is Empathy is an alternative to anger. Um, Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Look at that, big letters. Empathy is angry. Look, it's all caps. It's yelling at you, empathy. That's not what empathy does. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Paul writes this. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then we won't even go into the really convicting part where he compares us to Jesus and Jesus died on the cross for us. Let's just stop with this part right here, okay? You can keep reading that. Think about that. Um, I don't know. I wrote this sermon, and then for some reason, all of the illustrations have to do with shoes and feet. And so I just want to apologize, but. Here we go. All right, so uh, when I I first got into running, I wore a size 11 shoe, or at least I thought I wore a size 11 shoe. I didn't know that as you get older, your feet keep growing. I did not wear a size 11 shoe. I needed a size 12 shoe. So you know what happened to my feet? They hurt all the time. You know what happened to my toenails? (laughs) They got black and messed up, and some started growing straight up. Like, really, like it was like elbow joint, like straight up. And some started growing straight down, right? And your faces are all correct. It's disgusting. It's terrible, okay? Um, it, was, it was not good. If I would have gone to, like, get a pedicure, they would have kicked me out. Um, I had to use, like, a circular saw to cut my nails. It was disgusting, right? Empathy. Yeah, someone said that's too much. I don't I just, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Empathy. Empathy is trying on someone else's shoes and realizing they don't fit. It's trying to see things from somebody else's perspective. It's what Paul urged the Philippian church in this passage to, to practice. Don't be so self-focused. Instead, be humble and try to think, man, other, what if you thought other people were more significant than you? Don't just look to your own interests. I think that's so hard for our society today. It's the opposite of the gospel of our society. Instead, look to the interests of others. You know, I had a physical experience with empathy a couple of years ago that, um, that illust- for me, illustrated running in someone else's shoes. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of anger over the last few years, and that's the way often that our world and we can get sucked into that that we deal with problems. There's been political anger, pandemic anger, racial anger, and it's all of that is usually fueled by people who are not practicing empathy. You rarely see someone practicing empathy and going on a rage fit um, or something like that that doesn't that doesn't happen. And so, you know, one of the things that really moved me a couple of years ago um, was, the, was the very tragic murder of Ahmad Arbery. Um, he was a black man who was murdered um, in Georgia by a group of white men just for going on a run in their neighborhood. They've all been convicted at this point. It happened on February 23rd, 2.23. And so shortly after his murder, a challenge went out in the running community to, to go for a 2.23-mile run, and to think about a mob. Um, and so I did that. I'm not, it, was, it was this challenge, and uh, it didn't, like, fix racism or anything like that, uh, but it did give perspective to people who went out and ran those 2.23 miles thinking about a mob. It made me so sad. Some of the hard, like, that's not a super long run for me, but it, those were hard miles to run. Um, I'd never even considered not running in a certain place because it would be dangerous because of the color of my skin um, or what I need to wear when I go for a run because I might get in trouble for wearing, you know, wearing black or wearing a hoodie. Um, and and it, you know, it, was, it was like running in someone else's shoes. And, it, and I hope that at least it's, it's helped me to be more empathetic when considering racial issues, when talking to people of color, and just being more understanding in general. I want to ask, you know, what can empathy do in your heart? How could empathy change your perspective about the people problems you see in your life? I want to uh, spend the rest of this message presenting you with a system for practicing empathy. Maybe some of you are like, I want to be empathetic, but I don't know how. Well, here's a system. You Just plug it in, and it works. Okay, you ready? Uh, it's not that easy, but we'll, we'll try to break it down. Okay, um, this is really cool because it's also this, what I'm going to present for empathy is also the same way that we um, come up with doctrine and our beliefs as a church. Empathy and our beliefs as a church. How are those things related? Well, they're related by this Greek word that, that is this, the word exegesis. Exegesis, or the, and we're going to talk about having an exegetical life. So there's something really important for me um, as a minister leading this church that you are a part of, um, and that is this idea of exegesis. The Greek word, it means to draw out. Draw out, okay? We don't really have a doctrinal statement as a church. I don't know if you've noticed that, if you've like, clicked on the website. What does this church even believe? I'll tell you what we believe. Actually, I'll show it to you. It's the Bible! Um, and what happens when you have a doctrinal statement and the Bible is now you have two things. Even if you're do- you're like, but this came from the Bible. Yes, it did. But now you have a thing. And it might be okay for a little while to have a thing. But 20 years from now, 40 years from now, 100 years from now, you've got people who never even knew the person who started the church or whatever, and they are defending the thing. And they're even defending it against the Bible sometimes. This is what what we do. And so what we have instead of a thing is a process. And that process is called exegesis. Um, And I'm going to explain it to you right now. Here's a picture, by the way, and you're probably like, oh, that, it all makes sense now. Thank you. Uh, I'll explain the picture, okay? Uh, here's what exegesis is. Doctrinally, you take a passage, any passage in the Bible, and you try first, that's the number one over there, you try to understand it in the original context. What did it mean when it was originally spoken at the time, when it was originally written, what did it mean? Then you recognize, okay, well, that's what it meant then. We live in a very different world. Things have changed, and so it's called crossing the principalizing bridge. You're like, I don't want this guy's job. He has to cross a principalizing bridge. Um, you, cross, you and you think, okay, what are the differences? What are what's different culturally? There there are language differences. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. New Testament written in Greek. Um, you know, their time is different. What's the situation? Um, if you if you're reading the Old Testament, one thing you have to cross every single time is. They didn't have Jesus. There was no cross. Even in the Gospels, before Jesus died on the cross, that changes things. And so you think about all of the differences, and then after considering original context, the differences, then you think about our world today, and you can start to make applications for the Scripture. You can interpret and make applications. And so that's a process that we do. If you take whatever issue, whatever thing, we look at the Scriptures and try to do that. Even doing that, we're not. I'm not saying we're like... We're Perfect church, we figured it all out. What I would say is we're trying to be a humble church, and we're willing to refigure things out as we continue this process of exegesis with scriptures. All right, here's an example. Uh, let's take Moses and the burning bush. This is actually quite um, an applicable example because down I got here like at six in the morning. I'm working in the boiler room like a like a sailor. Okay. And I'm down there just like trying to get it going. I've got like a wrench and I'm like, let's go. You're going to do this today, boiler. We're, we're going, we're having church. Come on, you always break on Saturday night. And it really does always break on Saturday night. And uh, I'm like, come on. Um, and so uh, I'm down there and I'm telling you, I breathe some fumes. <laughs> like my head hurts right now. It was not good. So like Moses, who there's a bush that's burning and won't burn up. And, and, you know, I don't know if there's carbon monoxide, what's going on. But God starts talking to Moses. From the bush, okay, and we know this. And what does God say? He says, "Moses, don't come any closer. Take your sh- take your sandals off. You're standing on holy ground." And so we could, we could read that passage, and we could say, "Hey, God told Moses that when you're in the presence of God, you need to take your shoes off." Okay? And I just told you how bad my feet are. Um, take your shoes off, and. He's hearing the word of God. And like we're listening to the word of God right now. We've got the scriptures open. And you could say this is holy ground, except for the boiler doesn't work, so it's terrible ground. Um, and you could say that you know our church is all of these things that Moses experienced. So why are we wearing shoes right now? We need to be a barefoot church. And that is how doctrines get put, put together in a very bad way. Okay? This is why exegesis is so important. Uh, because now if we, if we use this process, we see, okay, What's going on with Moses? Let's, let's think about the original context. This, this is a special situation. We don't have a bush that's burning and won't burn up talking to us. We didn't just stumble upon God saying, Moses, Moses. That didn't happen to any of us this morning, right? Even in the boiler room, that didn't happen to me. Um, it's not, this isn't a general situation. This is a very special situation for Moses. And he's been given a direct command from God, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Also, at this time, God's people are not organized in a church like we're organized, like Jesus set up for us. Um, They are slaves in Egypt, and God is desperately trying to get them out of Egypt. None of those things generally happen at our worship services. Amen? And so we can keep our shoes on. Yes! Victory! Exegesis wins. Okay. Um, But we can also cross the bridge and start to make some applications. That doesn't mean, well, that scripture has no meaning for our lives. Listen to this. This is really cool. Uh, We cross the bridge, and we know that God freed his people. And we know, as we we think about Jesus, that God freed them partially. We can be completely freed because of what God did on the cross. Um, We know now that God has established his church. His people are the church. And we can come and worship. We don't don't have a command to be barefooted. Uh, There is the example of foot washing, but that's not a command either. Anyway, people get messed up on that. Um, we, we don't need, um, we have these truths, okay? So, what do we learn from this? Well, one thing we learn is that God will go to great measures to save his people. That's universally true. We can learn that from Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush. God goes to great measures. and did, Does he do that? Well, yeah, he did that with Moses. He did that with Jesus. That's what he does, and he does it in our lives as well. Uh, we can learn that God calls men and women to do his work, even though we ultimately need him to be our savior. Um, And so God called Moses, is that the only person God ever called? No, and he doesn't always do it the same way, but he calls people like us to help in his saving work that ultimately is done through Jesus. And we can also learn from that passage that God is holy, and we should worship him with reverence and awe, not taking our shoes off, but also not taking our gatherings lightly, but striving, coming to church ready to worship and understand how big and powerful and awesome God is. Amen, we can get all that from that passage and keep our shoes on at the same time. This is the process that we that I use and I encourage you to use with every scripture, every doctrinal issue. We're still not perfect, as I said, but it's a great process. It helps us to get, hopefully, closer and closer to the truth. Um, I do want to say, if you're not a part of our church, you want to know more about what we do, what we believe, how we believe what we believe, that's where that Go With God Bible Study series comes in. It's so good. Um, and, it, and it teaches you not just what we believe, but how to develop beliefs as you develop your relationship with God and his word. Amen? All right. But here's the thing. All of that I just said about exegesis and all that, that's just an illustration. Because I want you to apply that to your life. with people. Did you guys figure out what the sermon's about? This is a people problem sermon. We're talking about going from critical to compassionate. So how does this church doctrine thing apply to people? What if we applied exegesis to people? What if we drew people out instead of judging them? Well, that's actually a wise thing to do. Look at what it says in Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding, a woman of understanding. Are you a person of understanding? Well, then you will practice drawing people out, empathy, instead of being critical. What does it look like what, you know what does it look like for us to do this here are some things i hope you you know you feel free to even take a picture of that with your phone if you want um, these are questions you could ask when you start to get frustrated with somebody when you start to ruminate have you asked these drawing out questions these are the same questions we ask when we when we look at scriptures what if we apply that to people hey what's their background how is it different from mine how is their current situation different from mine Love this next question. What might they be feeling? Like, you really are trying to put yourself in someone's shoes. And then here's where it moves from sympathy to empathy is when you start to really apply it to yourself. Have I ever felt this way? You remember, oh yeah, I remember I, I, was, I was probably feeling the same thing that they're feeling right now a few years ago, and this is how I handled it poorly, and so now I can have more compassion for this person. And then the last question. Such an important question. How would I want to be treated if I felt this way? This is work. Just like we approach the scriptures, we work in the scriptures to come up with as good of a doctrine as we can. It takes work in prayer, in thought, to come up with as much compassion as we can when we have people problems. Okay? And the tough thing is we need to apply this. Just like with church stuff, we, you know, exegesis, we have to apply it when we don't understand something when there's a, something tricky that we need to figure out doctrinally. Well, this isn't something you do when everything's happy and everybody, relationships are great. This is usually something we have to remember to do when things are tough. It's hard to remember it. okay? But Jesus said, pray, forgive your enemies every single time you pray. Amen? All right, the last question there. How would I want to be treated if I felt this way? It's more than just a good question. It's kind of a different way of saying the most important verse in possibly the whole Bible, the golden rule. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You know, you'll never see the word empathy in the Bible, uh, but, it's, but the concept is everywhere. Um, it's everywhere. To practice um, this rule, to truly obey Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, we have to do exegesis with people. We have to draw out and try to think what they're really going through Consider what they would want done. How would we want to be treated if we were in their situation? You've got to think about what their situation is before you can think about how you'd want to be treated in that situation. Are you putting in the work, and it's work, of empathy? Or are you just letting yourself be annoyed, angry? And then what that leads to is bitter. changes us. Those are things God promises will not. The opposite of exegesis is eisegesis. And eisegesis is, is where churches get really messed up with false doctrines. Because this is what eisegesis means. It says instead of, it's instead of drawing out, it means you put in. So if you're having a devotion, a quiet time and you're reading the Bible and you're like, well, I think, I think this means this. My opinion on this scripture is this. That's that's trouble. That, a whole church will get derailed with thinking like that. But you know what? Our hearts get derailed when we do that with people. We put our own ideas and assumptions on them. Instead of thinking what they, what, what's going on, we're like, oh, they, she's just like that. He, you know, I know what he was thinking. Really? That's magical. You're amazing. We assign people Motives even though there's no way we can know someone's heart. The Bible says we don't even know our own hearts. We label people. Then we can just put them away in a box. We're done. That's just how that person is. We lack forgiveness, even though we would want to be forgiven. sure if we were in the same situation. How much would your relationships change? Even, how much would the conversation in your brain change? If instead of putting your opinions on people, you did the work to draw them out. Exegesis, not eisegesis. What do you have an attitude? Who do you have an attitude with? What do you have an attitude about? Use these questions. Try to examine what might really be going on. Cross that bridge and then make decisions and take action. Pray for that person in an exegetical way and watch the attitude. All right, let's close out. Ultimately, here's the thing. We need to deal with our people problems. If you've got people problems, you can't just let it go. All right? We need to deal with our people problems because they end up being God problems. They, our people problems keep us from being close to God. Our attitudes with people really affect our relationship with God. And like God said to Jeremiah after Jeremiah's complaint about people, if you can't run with people... How are you supposed to walk with God? So here's one last thought that I want to give. Ready? God is totally in love with that person that you have problems with. I mean, like, head over heels. He would die for that person. He loves them so much. Your God would totally do anything whatever it takes but that person dealing with our people problems is agreeing with God's heart he did everything he could to understand us it's like well, I, you know what and, and he already knew but he's like you know I want to prove to them that I really want to know what it's like so how could I do well, I could, I could come and be with them, live with them, experience life with them. So we celebrate for Christmas. Not just like a little drawing. He did it. He came to be with us. Right? He did everything so he could understand us. and then, And then after understanding us, can you believe this? He died for us. He decided... And you talk about people problems. We all have big problems that hurt God. And he still decided to have grace and mercy at the greatest cost. In Jesus, God literally came into our world and walked many miles in shoes like ours. He experienced our worst and still decided to love us to the utmost. Sometimes, you know, I think about the cross, it doesn't even make sense. I'm like, Why? How? But you know what happens when we deal with our people problems? When I, when I think about my, the, the people that can frustrate me or that I get bitter with, whatever it is, when I ruminate, when I, when I really go to God and work on my heart and I start to draw people out, they oh, no, this is what it must have been. This, oh, it's probably this. When I'm, when I'm going from critical to compassionate, it actually makes the cross make more sense. Because dealing with people problems in a righteous way ultimately deals with the person who causes us the most problems in our lives. It's us. Maybe you're like it's you, yeah, it's me. Uh, we, we call, we're the people that cause us the most problems, right? And moving from critical to compassionate unlocks the power of empathy. It lets us get out of the way so we can see just how much God loves the world, and every single person in it, even us. And So as we take communion, let's remember the power of walking in somebody else's shoes, exemplified in no greater way than Jesus walking in our shoes, taking the punishment that we deserved with the body beat, blood spilled on the cross. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for for being our great God, for loving us, even us, Lord. Uh, I I pray for our hearts that uh, in this message that we could take this, that we could really apply it to our lives and move from critical to compassionate. Think about even Jesus on the cross; he's uh, he's praying that we could be forgiven. He's looking out for his mother and for his disciple John. He's 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 yelling out and, and quoting psalms for comfort. Um, he's, he's begging you even before he goes to the cross, is there any other way? Knowing our hearts, knowing our sin, knowing what we struggle with, he died anyway. Because it was the only way that we could be saved. Lord, help us uh, to, to have that heart. Uh, to learn from the cross as we take body and blood right now. Uh, that, that our people problems have all been overcome on the cross. And it was not us, but it was your son, Jesus. We praise you for this time of communion in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God. We'll be right back. back.